The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose. And he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. Hello and welcome to Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today, musician, singer, uh, record producer, vocalist, guitarist, legendary man from the band Rancid. Of course, you'll know Mr. Lars Fredrickson. Lars, welcome to the Two Man Power Trip. How are you doing? Uh, super excited to be here. Love this show. What have you been up to? What's going on in your world? Ah, uh, you know, there's so much. Um, you know, I think. Uh, you know, I was I did this little this solo record thing. I was out on tour on that for a while. Um, you know, I did uh, some touring with The Last Resort, uh, another band, an English band I, I've been playing in and joined uh, about four years ago. Uh, and now I'm just kind of like getting rid of my stuff. <laughs> mm. uh, seems like, you know, I, uh, I just have so many things when I've kind of realized it. Um, I, I was like, man, I got a lot of stuff and I need to get rid of some of it because this is, you know, this is getting, this is getting to be like horror status, you know? Yes. Yes. I was oh. funny. I was, I was just talking to a buddy of mine and we were saying, you know, about rants and stuff. It's like, Oh, I'm going to be talking to Lars. And he said, you know, he loves the bastards, all this other stuff. But then he goes, wait a second. He goes, how come he doesn't do more with like wrestling themes and how come, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm, it's like, I'm going to ask him that. Like the first thing I'm going to ask is I'm so interested. Like, you have a music guy who loves wrestling. Have they ever reached out to you? Like, hey, can you do our theme songs? Or can you do nope. our themes? No. Um, the first and only time was Ruby Soho. Um, and that happened because, you know, maybe you know, uh, I do a wrestling podcast with my friend Dennis Farrell called The Wrestling Perspective. Yep. And we've had all kinds of guests on there. And she was one of them. It was actually her first interview after the WWE had released her, she knew that she wanted to kind of keep going. And as we started talking, the and the conversation start started to kind of you know get a little bit more in depth. She's like, "Yeah, I want, but I can't. I got to change my name." And I said, "Well, you know, it's 
freaking she likes ruby so it's like let's uh let's do this and 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 she's like do you think so and i was like well i know some guys i think we can we can work it out and she's such a great talent so it seemed like you know it was the obvious thing to do and that was like the first time i think i mean there has been wrestlers on the indie scene that have come out to bastard songs and i'm not quite sure about rancid songs but i definitely know bastard songs um i know sternling james keenan used to come out to one um what was the other guy uh i forget his name he was another indie guy but uh and sterling james keenan as you know Corey became Corey. Even, yeah so um and then you know but it was always like cm punk would be wearing a lars Ferdinand in the bastard shirt or you know you would see somebody you know doing that you know, and that was probably the closest thing I got to it um, as far as like uh, writing a song. Ruby Soho was the first thing, uh, you know, I've offered my services to 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 a few people, but it didn't seem like they wanted to work. So I was like, OK, you know, that's all good. And then me and uh, a few guys from I, I don't want to get into that because it, it still can happen. And I don't want to like right. I, I, I never really talk about it because I always I'm very superstitious. So like. Once I feel like I talk about something, it either happens or it just falls flat on its face. So I just try to keep it here for a little bit. <laughs> to me, it's like, wow, punk rock, you wrestling, like, ugh, you know, it, it, makes, hand hand. it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I, I would always wonder, like, you know, like when they would be playing a, a song of some of my peers or whatever, and I look around the stadium and I wouldn't see them there. And I'll be like, dude, the dude's here. Like, you know what I mean? At a baseball game and you're hearing, you know, another band and you're just like, I I'm coming here like 20, 20, 20 games a season. Like, you know, how about do one of our songs, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. It's it's all fun and games. When you did give her Ruby Soho and give her the song, do you like give that to her as like ownership? Does she lease it from you to Tony Khan, AEW lease? Like, how does that work out? Well, yeah, we just signed a deal with them so they could use it, you know, at, at their discretion as far as like we own the song, obviously, because right. we own our back catalog. So, you know, I mean, the the idea was just like, OK, but as long as you're, you know, wrestling under this moniker, you know, well, you get to use the song. I mean, it's pretty much how it works. I mean, it's a lot more in depth and it doesn't need to be, you know, I mean, it's like I don't want to go into the. Right, the, right. We don't need to go into the minutiae. No, <laughs> I was just curious. I'm like, I wonder lot, if they lease it to, I mean, you know, lease it out. Say, say again. Sorry. I was just curious if like they lease it out or like how that works when they usually. Yeah, yeah they're like, it. yeah, it's a licensing deal. It's like any kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like if you're if your music is being uh, publicly broadcasted, you know, you need permission, obviously. And but I mean, we got a great working relationship with AEW as far as when uh, Ruby Soho. So it's. It was like a match made in heaven, you know, and I, Tony Khan was on, you know, I was an old wrestling trader and on the boards and stuff like that. And there was a, a, a wrestling board called Death Valley Driver. And so it's like, that's where, you know, I met a lot of like Phil Schneider and, and Will Helmick and uh, Rob Naylor and a lot of these guys that like we used to, we used to trade tapes and that's where I would find out about different kinds of matches. And Tony was there, you know, but he was a young kid, but it's kind of amazing to see, you know, here's this supreme Uber wrestling fan now running a wrestling company. It's, it's actually kind of cool to see, you know, it's funny. I was on that board too. I know Phil, I used to love Dustin of the day. Remember you used to always oh. write about Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. I got, have you had, do you have Phil's book? Yes. Way of the blade. Yes. Yes. It's behind me 
somewhere, probably directly well, behind me. Yeah. You know what? It's behind. That's right here. So let's give Phil a little plot. Way of the yeah, Blade. Way of the Blade. Awesome book. Talks about the greatest bloody matches of all time. I think he's working on another one because I talked to him recently. He said he was going to work on a second one. So yeah, uh, you know, I've 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 sent copies to a lot of my friends. I sent a copy to MJF. I sent a uh, Dave LaGreca, who's the co-host of Busted Open. Me and him are pretty good friends, and he went and bought the book too. And it's just like it's it's one of the things that I love about wrestling and especially older wrestling fans and it's because it's, it's all about, you know, there's so much love for it. It's not like choosing a side weird, you know, politics. <laughs> it's almost like politics and wrestling, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, AEW, it's, it's just fucking enjoy it. You know what I mean? Um, but it, it's great when you meet other wrestling fans and uh, cause it's, it's a community you know, especially the way I came up with with it through the boards and through tape trading and stuff like that, there wasn't a lot of us. It was just like punk rock. So, you know, when you when you got into punk rock as a kid, you really wanted to 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 uh, to be there. You know, because you had to deal with cops, you had to deal with jocks, you had to deal with you know society, whatever it was. So, and I felt like wrestling was kind of the same thing. It's you know because it it had such a stigma on it, obviously over the years it's fake it's you know it's stupid it's low low brow entertainment blah 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 blah. so i feel like when you find that kinship with other wrestling fans you know who are around the same age or whatever um you kind of you kind of have a different appreciation and it's a community like i said that is so accepting you know what i mean And, and i like that part about it you know being a wrestling fan as far as like the this whole like who's better and what company's this and all the wrestling dirt sheets. It's fucking, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous because some of these dirt sheets, they, they, the, the, the audacity to call themselves reporters, it's, it's, it's a joke to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not really media. Hey, you're on a, a website. No, I mean, it's, it's like, what, what are you actually reporting? You're getting a phone call from some stooge, right? And that's Usually. What you're reporting. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you're not, you're not, it's like real reporters, real journalists actually go out and they, they formulate a story. You, you know, you're basically just getting something fed and then you're going, you know, from the phone call to the, to the, to the, to the computer and out into the world. And that's, it's kind of why the world's kind of fucked up as it is. Right. I mean, yep. it's just like, there's no investigation, you know, there's no, because the, the, the truth is always going to be there, but it's like, even if, if uh, you know, you're kind of, kind of skimming it, in, in bringing out a story that's maybe not 100% true, it's still, you know, sort of amplifying, you know, a bunch of falsehoods. And it's just ridiculous to me, but that's a whole other thing. But yeah, it's funny, like with wrestling, I've got friends of mine, like 30 plus years. And I think about it, like, how did we become friends? Or what's like the, the base of the relationship? Usually it's wrestling. And we still can talk wrestling then now and talk about the old stuff talk about the new stuff who we like who we don't like but it's funny it's like wow i don't know if i'd be friends with these guys if we didn't both like wrestling and i always think about that well you know there are some friends like that i have too i mean there's guys that that i still communicate with you know a lot of the guys from like um the the tape trading days and I, we're still in touch we know each other's families we've stayed at each other's houses um you know, but but a lot of the relationships that I've formed through this, I think have are, are going to be lifetime relationships just because, you know, there's always that, you know, baseline to, of understanding, you know, and I feel like a wrestling fan, you know, it is, you know, it dep- I think that there's the, the real wrestling fan, the guy that's watching it every week. And maybe this is just my experience 
it's kind of it's a very cerebral thing, right? Because you're you're trying to follow the story, you're trying to get emotionally connected, and you have to turn the light switch off, right? Because you want to believe. It's that suspension of disbelief, right? And I think that other wrestling fans who've been you know watching it for years have this ability to turn the light switch off. Right then and there, you have a commonality, and I and I think that's probably why wrestling fans are so passionate. Man, are they passionate? Like you said, with the tape training stuff, me and my buddy we were like obsessed with like what you want. Like, oh, have you ever seen Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka? But no, not the ECW stuff, the FMW. Like, and then you try to get the whole compilation because the guys would put it together, which is yeah. awesome that they would do that. And then obviously you buy it or you trade it or, you know, and that, you know, some of the guys flat out just sell you and they would make copies. But that was such a great way to, to like learn about wrestling. But it's not just one thing or one part about wrestling because you could like Mike Awesome and Tanaka, but I love Hogan. So, I, which is completely different. So, there's right. so many different things in wrestling, but you could like so many different things. Such a cool medium, such a cool, different sport, if you will. Yeah, well, there's so many, you know, different kinds of styles, uh, you know, just in Japan. Um, you know, I when we go over there on tour and I had a tattoo shop over there at one point. I think I went to like a big Japan show, a new Japan show, an all Japan show and an Osaka pro show and a hustle show, like all in like, you know, a three week period. You know what I mean? So I saw like five different, six different promotions and, you know, and it was all different kinds of styles, but yet it was, you know, it was all the, the entertainment value was all on the same par. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I always loved the death matches, you know, and, and I, and I actually did this one thing with, with June Kasai, I guess it would have been about 12 or 13 years ago now, but we did, um, uh, like a uh, a t-shirt together and and a and a, a couple autograph signings together when I was over there and because I, I always loved the deathmatch stuff and and the Japanese stuff like it started with obviously with FMW and and Cactus Jack and Terry Funk put it on the map right but you know you got had guys like Onita you know and stuff like that and that's what I found out about a lot of that through the boards right so you would this is where you would get the information I mean I had seen New Japan stuff. I had seen all Japan stuff and that was pretty much the only thing that was actually really uh, sort of somewhat easy to get, but like some more of the underground stuff was always a little bit harder and the deathmatch stuff um, was always kind of the hardest in, in, in good quality anyways, because you know, it, this is back in the days of uh, a VCR tapes, right? So you always had a squiggly line and you're trying to adjust the tracking, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Or it's like a, it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And I feel like once, you know, DVDs came in, um, that's when you actually saw, you know, I remember getting this FMW comp um, on DVD and it came from some first generation uh, um, um, tapes. And I was like, I finally saw the match. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not just little glimpses of, of, of certain aspects of it but even even with the squiggly lines you could follow the story and it's funny because it's in a completely different language um and you could still be able to follow the story and that's just a, a testament to these guys as workers right that can bring you in even though you don't know what the build-up is because it's you know the promos are in japanese and and whatever it is and um you know but they could bring you into this story and kind of take you onto this journey with them and it would all obviously culminate in an explosion or barbed wire. Or um, I mean, just remember that chic match with when they lit the, the ring on fire. Yes. And just uh, I was just like, how 
like how is that possibly in any way shape or form safe you know so but it's just it's just that kind of stuff so that you would always you know i garnered a lot of respect for those performers and being a performer myself i think you know not to the you know i'm not going into you know burning rings or anything like that but uh you know, I think you, 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 there's like a common respect as a performer, you know, that you have, you know, and I, and I've always kind of looked up to pro wrestlers to begin with because of, you know, what they put their bodies through and it's the travel. There's so many, you know, parallel sort of exist, uh, the, the existence is, you know, is as far as like being on a road or, you know, on tour or whatever, the parallels are, are right there, you know, between all performers, professional athletes. You'll love this. Uh, I think it was two months ago. I went down to Philly. Onita was there for a, for a match. He was, he was wrestling. I think he was wrestling Bubba Ray Dudley in a tag match. I think it was him and Leatherface. But I got to interview him. His wife was there. And so she did the he knew knows a little bit of English, but she did most of the kind of going between us. So I have an interview with him. It was awesome. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, who would have thought? And then he said to me, because I was like, what's your legacy? Whatever. He goes, you came here. He goes, you know me from Japan. He goes, you came here. I flew 2,000 miles. You drove, what did you say, an hour? So, yeah, I drove an hour to get here. He goes, and I'm famous from 30 years ago. So it was funny, kind of like when you think about it, you're like, wow, that's, like, that's right. You're Japanese. I'm coming to meet you, basically, of, of stuff you did in your past. But, like, I'm desperate to talk to you and ask you all these crazy questions. But it was awesome getting to talk to him. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to, you know, I remember one time cause my dude was always Masawa. Right. Mm. And I mean, you know, as far as like those, the, the Japanese guys, like I always loved Masawa, Kawada, uh, Timon, Honda. But, um, so I remember I, we were over there on tour. Uh, we were at, uh, Kirkin hall and it was for a Noah show. And I had a tiger mask, the second tiger mask mask with me. And I wanted, I really wanted to get it signed by Masala. And, you know, I was with Tim and somebody else and we're at Kurokin. And so, of course, you know, I got the spiky hair. This is back in 2000, might've been about 2003, 2004. And uh, of course we stand out like sore thumbs. And I remember this woman came out and she said, uh, I guess I, I, Timon Honda recognized who we were. And we, we have a friend of ours, uh, 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 296 over there. He's like a ring guy and works a lot of the, the, the Japanese uh, shows. Long story short, word gets back to Masawa. And this lady comes out and says, uh, you know, and this is before the main event. So uh, Masawa wants to meet you. And I'm like, what? Yes, but he doesn't speak any English. So I'm like, okay. And so we go in the back and, you know, we talk to him. We meet, you know, a few of the other guys. He signs my tiger mask. And then he says, it's really nice to meet you, like in perfect English. And I kind of looked at that and I said, I thought you said he didn't speak English. And then they rushed us out. But uh, the fact that I was able to get, get an opportunity to meet him and talk to him and, and kind of tell him, you know, and get pictures with them and stuff like that. It was a big moment, you know, for me um, as the wrestling fan, you know, and I think about your Anita story and it's like just, you know, being in, being in, you know, all, you know, what, 6,000 miles away from a country, enjoying what these guys do as professionals and artists, I think, um, you know, and then you're sat next to them. It's, it's kind of a strange trip, you know what I mean? Because they, the only time that you've ever had any connection was through this, you know, 
two-dimensional box, right? Yep. So. so interesting. When Ring of Honor brought Masawa, Kobashi, different periods of time, I met, I purposely would go to the show and then wait till after it's over and meet them, get their autographs and stuff. I love that because it's like, holy shit, they were actually here in the U.S. Like Kobashi wrestling Samoa Joe, Masawa was wrestling Kenta and stuff. So I was like, man, I, they, it's just awesome to be able to meet those guys. And that's cool as hell that you know he may might have kayfabed you a little bit. He knew some English. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I remember Mike Modest, who was a local wrestler around here. Oh, yeah. He, he, yeah. And he he wrestled for Noah and he wrestled for WCW there at the end. Um, and I think Kevin, too. Yeah. Yeah. I did a loop with Mike at one point. Um, it was just a California indie kind of thing because it was APW. So it's was, it was when Roland was still alive. And uh, he did a, an event called Pro Wrestling Iron. And this was in the summertime of, oh shit, I can't even remember what what year it would have been. But that, I think that was Masawa's very first uh, North American appearance. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong. He, 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 he might have been come over before, but um, it was an incredible show, you know, because you're in the middle of Vacaville. I think it was in Vacaville, California, if I remember correctly. And uh, I know that there's a DVD of it out there somewhere. But I remember that they called it Pro Wrestling Iron. And so you witness these, like, you know, you know, a lot of these indie guys that I go and see now, especially guys like uh, Vinny Massaro or, uh, or uh, uh, name escapes me. But, like, I saw these guys first match. And now they're, like, you know, and I've seen them rise, you know, from the indies. Will Hobbs was another guy, like, watching him when he was Will Power. You know, and seeing a lot of these guys work the indies, Swerve, another dude I saw a hundred times, you know, and then now they're taking that next step uh, into like, you know, the TV world and, and they're just custom made for it. And you just you kind of have a sense of like, you know, pride in a weird way because you see them when they first begin and you see uh, over time how they work it out. And they learn their craft. And then all of a sudden, you know, a lot of these guys are naturals to begin with. But to see them in the, at that level is, is a pretty cool thing, you know. Oh, absolutely. Here in New Jersey with Northeast, so many guys like that. He's like, wow, I remember him when I, you know, watching him younger. And then even when all the Ring of Honor shows would come through and, you know, we were talking about early 2000s, mid 2000s would come through AJ Styles, Loki, Brian Danielson, Nigel McGinnis, all these awesome guys that you look back like, man, these guys are all unbelievable. Love I saw, guys. I saw AJ Styles <clears throat> versus Smart Bart Sawyer. In Marietta, Georgia, at an NWA show in 1996, and I remember I was doing the anti-hero record, anti-heroes record, and we had a couple days off, and I talked Mark Noah, the singer, into taking me to go see the NWA, like three <laughs> hours away or whatever, and there it was, and just in the the bat, most backwoods place, and seeing AJ Styles perform, and then next thing you know, you see him on on TNA and stuff like that. And, but I remember it was AJ Styles and Smart Bart Sawyer. And I think uh, the Amazing Red might have even been on that show as well. It's awesome. Like when you look back, like who like who made it, who didn't, you know, well, I just remember seeing like their progression. It was the day it was the, the, the show was on the day that Rick Rude passed away. So that will tell you the time of the day. So that might could have been 97, right? I don't remember. 99, I think he died. I'm pretty sure. No, 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 no. Before that? No. It was because I was in Atlanta, Georgia, doing the Any Heroes record. And that was 96 or 97, latest. Trying to remember. We'd have to fact check. 
Yeah, but I know he was in WCW in 98, though, Recruit, so he was still alive. I thought he died in 99, I thought, or maybe 98. Maybe I, may, it could have been 98, too, but, or I could just have my wires crossed. I mean, I feel like sometimes I've forgotten more about professional wrestling than I can remember, you know what I mean? So I could be wrong as well. How did you kind of fall in love with wrestling? Like, how does that happen for you? <clears throat> well, getting into punk rock, and like I said, kind of feeling like, you know, sort of, you know, like my story is I was pretty much ostracized from all my friends. There was a guy who, by the name of Sean Gregonis, who, who brought punk rock to the street, right? And next door to him was a guy by the name of Andy Finney. And Andy Finney was from Detroit, Michigan. And he used to go to Cobo Hall, see the Sheik <clears throat> and all that. And every right. Saturday, Sunday there'd be wrestling on his TV and he would have the local wrestling. Well, the California wrestling. So you'd see guys like Pat Patterson, uh, Tony Atlas, Rocky Johnson. <clears throat> it was at, um, it was from, uh, maybe some of the TVs were from the Olympic auditorium. So I think it was big time wrestling. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I would go over to his house and I would watch it with him and he would break it down. And he had a sh shit ton of magazines I think it was, uh, it was uh, there were some PWIs, but there was also Inside Wrestling or res Pro Wrestling Inside. I, one of the, one, I can't remember. But I remember it had the, uh, <laughs> the, um, the, uh, the uh, apartment wrestling, um, some of those segments in the magazines. <clears throat> and I just remember falling in love with the pageantry. So it's like, you know, you kind of see it and it's this spectacle and it's just like, it's real heat. I think Roddy Piper, was and but my my I remember it was Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas were the were a tag team, and I and I just that's where I was just like whoa these guys are are badass because you know physical condition their bodies were insane they were they 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 moved so fluidly um, I always loved watching Roddy Piper of course um, you know I think there was uh, I'm trying to think who else would have been around there but then we had the AWA we see that was the thing about California. Before cable TV, we had uh, the AWA, we had Big Time Wrestling, and we had, uh, uh, was it, um, it could have been Polynesian Pacific, I don't remember. But the point is, is that I just kind of fell in love with it because I loved the escapism of it. I always loved music for that reason, too. So when I saw these guys kind of, and they were larger than life superheroes, but they were also like, you know, fighters. And, I, you know, growing up where I grew up, you had to kind of be a fighter, too. So I feel like I just kind of related to them, you know, in a, in a, in a lot of ways. So I, I, that's kind of what I, I opened the floodgates. And then once cable TV happened and you started getting the WWF programming and the NWA programming and stuff like that. Then I remember on Saturdays in the 80s, 86, 87, maybe uh, you would have. Bill Watts's territory, you would have Glow, you would have WWF, AWA, you know, you'd have uh, uh, world, um, world Class. I mean, there were so many, you know what I mean? Promotions to, to choose from. And now, like, the magazines, you didn't have to just, you know, follow the stories to the magazines. Now it was like, here is on your TV. Now I finally got to watch the Sheep Herders or, you yeah. know, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan or, you know, Fabulous Freebirds or... You know, whoever it was, you know, now I could see it for the first time.
So I'm sort of ha happy that cable TV happened, you know, because it it kind of, you know, it kind of put it, it kind of put the voices and the and the and the because uh, you know I I didn't hear the you know Michael Hayes cut a promo until mid South, you know what I mean? It's like or you know you would read about the one man gang and then there he is. So it's like you know it was it was pretty crazy, but I loved it all. It was like you know I just loved it. Can't explain why. Punk rock and wrestling again—they kind of go hand in hand in, in, in a lot of ways. Did you go to the Olympic Auditorium and Cow Palace? Did you go to like all those venues or no? I've I've been to the Olympic Auditorium, but not for. I went to one XPW. I went to one wrestling show, and that was an XPW show uh, at the at at the Olympic. But I went to the Olympic for punk rock, you know. Oh. So, but the Cow Palace, yes, my first ever uh, wrestling show was at the Cow Palace, and it, at, the headliner was. Piper Orton, Tonga Kid, and uh, no, it was Tonga Kid versus Piper. That was that was that main event. And but Orndorff had the cast, and and Snuka. It was supposed to be Snuka, Tonga Kid versus. Um, it's 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 one of the earliest ones I remember, but I do remember that match at the, because I don't know, man. I've seen so much. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but that's awesome to, in that era of seeing those guys. I mean, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it was exciting. The Cow Palace was a great venue too. And then later, Goa there, when I, when Punk was in town, he was doing that the the um, program with the Taker, and uh, or getting to that place. And it was a house show, and it was the Straight Edge Society against like Jericho, and Punk starts a riot in that place. I mean, that guy had so much heat. He's like the greatest baby face and the greatest heel all, all in one. But he was a bad guy at the time. And literally, there's a video of it on YouTube. And it's like, and uh, my buddy Kevin Gill, who I was with, who does a lot of commentary for GCW. Yep. Um, we were together and we we're sitting next to each other. And we were watching it unfold. And I remember Kevin got out his phone and recorded it all. And it's on YouTube. But it was literally like that you could cut cut the tension in there with a knife so i've uh, the cow palace has always been a great place to see wrestling you know the, the crowds are always hot there you know man it just seems like such a legendary venue as you like look at the history of the business like happening and then wcw would run the cow palace a lot so it's yep. like wow a lot of a lot of good stuff in the cow palace how is the punker doing i know obviously there's a lot of, like all so many things out there rumors i mean and, and nobody's talking stuff you still buddies with them you, you guys are still close oh yeah Oh yeah, we're super close. Um, yeah, he's doing good. He's healing. You know, he's he's getting you know getting better. So that's good news. Definitely. With you and wrestling, you mentioned to me kind of often when we were talking about Kiss, and to me, I feel like wrestling stole some things from Kiss. Like as far as like the merchandising, but maybe Vince McMahon or something. Maybe love Kit. Maybe or supposedly didn't know who they were, but I have a feeling he looked at Gene Simmons was like, I like what he's doing. I'm gonna make dolls. I'm gonna make shirts. You know what I mean? Like I feel like a lot of Kiss is wrestling kit and wrestling is kiss. Well, put it this way. Vince McMahon's favorite band is ACDC. Yeah. And he's from New York City. And it, it, you must have been under a fucking rock by the core of the center of the earth in the 70s <laughs> not to have heard of Kiss. Right? right. I mean, they were the biggest thing. They were bigger than, you know, uh, sliced bread. I mean, let's just be honest. They were everywhere. And they were the ones, they were the kings of that merchandising. Right. So, it's only it would only make logical sense for you to draw to 
draw the conclusion that Vince McMahon learned a little couple, some things from Gene, Paul, Peter, and Ace, you know, probably more Gene and Paul, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that kiss and that sort of spectacle and then, you know, but you got to give a lot of credit to the whole success of the WWF at the time to Cindy Lauper for Christ's sake and MTV, because that, brought that into a whole different realm i remember when that went all went down and i had been watching wrestling for a couple of years by then and then all of a sudden like kids at school wanted to talk to me about it and, and before you know six months later they're making fun of me for watching it right and i remember thinking that it was like the first time i felt like somebody took something away from me you know what i mean because now it hit the mainstream uh but at the same time in the same token when i look back that didn't last for very long. I just got more friends, but, um, you know, you have to, you know, give her credit. It's funny because you got some of these guys in the, in the hall of fame that, that maybe showed up to a wrestling event once. And then you have Cindy Lauper who's needs to be in the hall of fame. Um, because she's pretty much part of the reason why the WWF at the time, WWE now, obviously is where it is. Let's just be honest. So, Cindy for the WWE Hall of Fame. Surprised she's Triple not in Ray. there, right? Surprised she's it's not in there. It's insane to me. It's insane. I don't know why that is. I mean, she took bumps. I mean, Piper kicked her in the face. Like, you know, I wouldn't even do that. I have been a wrestling manager, though, and I have stepped foot in the ring, and, and I have promoted a show before in my, 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 in my lifetime. But I don't want to take a bump. Maybe 20 years ago, yeah, but not not now. Well, I didn't realize that. You were actually promoted a show? Was it in California? Yeah. It was in uh, Nevada. And our headliner was Generico versus, because uh, he was still in ROH, because he did a fly-in. Um, we took a lot of the indie guys, <clears throat> me and Kevin Gill. Uh, we promoted the show. And uh, we found this casino in Reno and they gave us the ballroom and we actually, it's actually funny. We paid all the boys and we made money on top of it, which was crazy to think about for your first show. Yep. Um, but yeah, we promoted it and we, we wrote it and we, uh, we produced it. And I, I think it's, it's, I think it's filmed somewhere. It might be still on film, but because we did something else. First time I ever did commentary was with, Kevin Gill, we did this DVD for the Super Riz Cup. Um, and uh, fuck, I haven't thought about this in a long time. So you're pulling some stuff out. So I'm sorry <laughs> if, my, if, I'm, if I'm, you know, my, my, the hamster wheels is still kind of warming up in this area. But yeah, we promoted the show. Um, I think we had the Reno Scum were on it, or at least um, it wasn't maybe, yeah. I, uh, it doesn't matter. Long story short, I was a manager. <clears throat> my my uh, my wrestler was a, a guy by the name of the Millwall Brawl. Um, it was a total squash Bundy SD Jones kind of match, and I cut a promo. I was a heel manager, um, but we had a great time. You know what I mean? And it was real fun. It was real fun. That's pretty cool promoting. Like you're you're really invested in the business. You know, you're promoting and putting on shows. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just, it, to me, it's like, that's just probably as far as I want to get into it now. Now I'm kind of like, 
I would love to be so much more involved in pro pro wrestling. Like I would, I would definitely want to be part of it. I think I would have a lot to offer. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's like one of those things. I don't know if, if I could be uh, as physical as I would want to be, you know, in a role, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and I don't think you should put me behind the camera. I think I need to be in front of it. So. Damn right. Anyway. <laughs> that, you know, obviously you and, and being so invested in wrestling, you were doing your own shows. Any like future plans to do anything or, or be further involved? I know we were kind of saying before, like, oh, maybe you should do some theme songs, but like anything else as far as like in wrestling besides podcasting and stuff, like actually like performing, managing? I mean, I've, I've never been really given the opportunity, honestly. Uh, like no one's really ever called me and asked me. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it, I, you know, I would love to obviously do something in that, you know, of course, like I said, I think I would have a lot to offer. I just don't know if there's, you know, I don't, I don't know what that would be, but you know, of course I feel like anything that you put your mind to, you know, you can manifest, but yeah, I would love that. I would love to be part of that. I mean, I've always said no, but now as I'm getting older and, and I'm kind of like, you know, just kind of, I don't know. My mind's changing around it. Like, you know, just having the experience that we did on the AEW pay-per-view and playing and stuff like that, that was definitely like a bucket list thing for me. You know, I played Madison Square Garden and I wanted to always wanted to play MSG because of the Morocco snooker match, right? And I used to watch WWF programming and it would always be from Madison Square Garden. But that match in, in specific, in particular, I should say, um, is the reason why I wanted to play Madison Square Garden, you know, and I got to do that. So that was like a thing. So I, I feel like for me, like anything at this point is going to be gravy. Um, I'm just not a very like, um, I don't know if that business, you know, I, it would be, I think I would be, I don't necessarily know if I would be able to handle the shit. Like, I, I you know, I, I don't think I, I could, uh, I, I, w I wouldn't try to deflate somebody's ego. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't necessarily know if I would be, uh, I would be great in public relations. How about that? I, I probably wouldn't be a good agent because I'd probably, you know, I'm the type of guy is it's like, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm already killing my career before I start, but I think I, uh, you know, yeah, I would love to, but I think the musical musical realm would be sick. But as a performer or something like that, hey, you never know. You know, two things that stick out to me about Snook and Morocco. Morocco wins. Everybody assumes Snook and Morocco wins that match, but obviously Snook gets the revenge. But also, Backlund is the champ at that point. Snook is the number one babyface by far. So it's so interesting with like what was going on in that time period. WWF, but Snook is the number one guy. Technically lost the match, but everybody kind of remembers the dive off the cage. Well, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, you don't really remember. I, I don't really remember WrestleMania, you know, three from the Hogan Andre. I remember it's Steamboat and, and, and Macho Man. And it's like, that's what I remember about that, that show, you know? So there's so many things, you know, that you feel like, you know, the, the main events were almost secondary to something else that happened. And you're right. I mean, that was such a transitional uh uh time for the wwf because i mean sooner you know not too long later they get a guy by the name of hulk hogan that they steal from the awa right 
Yep. And then all of a sudden, Mean Gene comes and then, you know, the Killer Bees and, you know, so on and so on and so forth. The rest is history. It is crazy. Uh, I love, obviously, I got all my, my Hogan posters. I, that's, I'm 40, so that's right around the area, like the, the mid-80s when I started watching it. And he came along, so you know, he's like a godlike figure. Who was your guy, though? Who was like the guy that, that you loved back when you were young? Well, you know, I think where my a real affinity, um, I mean, it's a good question because it's been a different people. It's been different guys over the years, right? So, for instance, I'll just say that like Ultimate Warrior was a guy I knew who who was just all show and 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 muscles, and I don't necessarily know could have you know could have wrestled wrestled his way out of a wet paper bag, and I saw that at the time. But now, as a 51-year-old man, I love that dude, right? Bret Hart probably would be my oh, number one, him and The Undertaker, but Bret Hart for sure. It's kind of like, you know, what's your favorite band? Well, some days it's Motorhead, some days it's GBH, and it's like, it's always 51 to 49, you know what I mean? So, but Bret Hart, I think most consistently was, has been my guy. I remember when him and, like him and Neidhart, I just love that tag team. I loved the way that they worked off each other. I was always a tag team guy, but the NWA was always where I feel like the real stuff shit went down. So I love Dusty. I loved Magnum. I loved Flair. Um, Nikita Koloff. I loved um, the Road Warriors. I mean, there's so many to, to that I to mention. Um, and, and I would say CM Punk, you know, I mean, it's not just, I'm not just saying that because we're, we're close. It's like, I love the way that the guy performs. I love his persona. I love how honest he, he is. I love how he tells a story in that ring. I think that's, that's kind of a lost art now. You know, I feel like you see a lot of this indie-rific kind of pro wrestling, which is fine. It's got its place. But when it's a whole card of, of you know, <sighs> You know, I remember I was watching AEW one time and I can't remember what match it was, but I remember it was still when they were doing it at in 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 Jacksonville, Daily Daily Plaza or whatever. Is it Daily Plaza? Daily Place. Daily Place. Daily Place. Sorry. Daily Plaza is where Kennedy got killed, I think. But <laughs> um, uh, either way, it might have Moxley might have been in the match. But I remember like there was all this boom, boom, boom. And then a guy goes through the table. And then gets right up and goes in the ring and starts running the ropes. And I was thinking to myself, dude, you just went through a table. Why do you, how do you get right up and then start running the ropes? Like it doesn't make any freaking sense. It's like, you know, I like spot fests. I think they're, they have their place, but it's like when you're trying to tell a story and capture me emotionally, there has to be some substance to the story that you're telling and when you're going through a table and then five seconds later you're running the ropes you're basically telling me that was a bullshit what's 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 the point of the table right <clears throat> so and that's the kind of stuff i see right and it's hard for me not to see and and that's what is sort of annoying about pro wrestling but then at the same time i do like <clears throat> those types of matches you know especially live <clears throat> when you got you know, it's it's very like fast and quick and and well set up. I mean, it's it's good. It's fun. You know, it's like Lucha stuff. Right. But 
for me, it's always about the guys who could tell the story. Like Ric Flair could get in that ring and tell the story with, you know, anyone with a broomstick, as they would say. And he could do it in, for 60 minutes straight, right? Yep. And then you guys got, got guys like Dusty Rhodes. I love the Four Horsemen. That was like my all my all time, you know, and, and, and I know it's a lot of people's all time favorite faction. I love G.H.J. Dillon in his role. And I loved Ole and Ole and Arn. I always saw it as a band. Right. It's like you think you got Ric Flair. He's your fucking badass front man. Right. He's your he's your David Lee Roth. Yep. <clears throat> you got Ole and Arn, who are kind of like the rhythm section. Right. The bass player and the drummer. And they're good. They're solid. They're not Ric Flair but they're definitely, you know, they can handle themselves and you're only as good as your rhythm section in the band as your bass player and your drummer. And then you got Tully Blanchard, who's like the crazy guitar player, right? He's, he's in the middle between Ole and Arn as far as like, even with his promo, his, uh, his uh, appearance, his personality. So you, that's why it worked. Cause you had Ole who was kind of the drummer. Arn is kind of like the bass player. Tully was the guitar player. And then you got your rock star, Ric Flair, David Lee Roth. And I saw it. And then you got J.J. Dillon, right? Who kind of is the glue that brings it all in. And I love, I'm a super fan of J.J. Dillon. And uh, I always wanted to talk to him, you know, just to interview him. Um, he's like one of those guys that I really want to talk to. Him and Barry Windham. But like, I think that's where I always gravitated I loved, always loved the guys with the valets, whether it been gorgeous Jimmy Garvin or uh, um, uh, uh, Macho Man and Elizabeth, of course. I always loved that dynamic between them, you know. So there were so many that play a part. But, like, Sting was another guy that, like, I didn't really, really, you know, like. Well, it's, I can't say I didn't really like. I didn't really understand at first, but then watching that, when him and Flair got and did that match, I was like, okay, this guy's real. He's the real deal. And, you know, so I think over, it's over time, I, I fall in love with more, with, 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 with a character or somebody more, you know, like I said, I have a totally different view about the ultimate warrior now than I did, let's say 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Great way to put it. Never heard that before about the horseman. That is perfect. Almost like the perfect analogy there for them. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know, I feel like when you got like these stables, like, you know, whether it be the Freebirds or the horsemen or, you know, the road warriors with precious Paul, it's like, you know, you, there, there, there is something that, there's something that's bigger than life, right? And with the horsemen in particular, with the band thing, and even like with Kevin Sullivan and like, uh, you know, and Purple Haze and, and, uh, and Woman. And, and, you know, it's like you kind of can see how this is all being played off, you know, in a way it's put together like a band would be put together because, you know, you need these sort of instruments to make this band, right? And it's the same kind of, I think, ideology. It's like, well, this person has this job and this person has this job and this, you know. So, I, I but I feel like the horsemen were the kiss of professional wrestling easily. Funny, nowadays with the factions, I don't have that feeling anymore. Like you're saying, like the perfectly, it's just like they throw all the guys together. They could be the same exact person, but they're in the faction. It's terrible. I hate it. It's too many factions. 
Oh, I agree. I mean, and you see why the like the things like the straight edge society worked, right? You see why that worked. Yep. And it was it was almost like a, a nod to Kevin Sullivan what he did in Florida. Yes. Same thing. It's a nod to it. It was totally completely different. It had it wasn't devil worshiping. It was being straight edge and drug free, right? But it's the same thing, right? It's just, it's presented in a completely different level, but the psychology is there. And that's the one thing that I think in some promotions, it's gone. It's lost. It's now become like, it's no longer about a story. It's more about performance art. I see the business kind of going back to the storytelling by their, the guys that they're hiring. But you take a guy like MJF, who basically puts himself over every time he steps in front of a camera. And this kid is so smart. I don't mean to call him a kid, but you know what I mean. Yep. And he's such a nice, well, I shouldn't say that either. But here's a talent that has taken the business to the next level. He's this generation's Ric Flair. He's this generation's Roddy Piper. I think he's more like Piper because he's he's got a little bit more grit to him than Flair. And I always thought Piper always had way more grit to him than Flair. I feel Flair is a badass. I'm sure he could handle himself or whatever. He's just cried too much on TV for me. So, but, uh, which is not bad. You should show your emotions. I'm just saying, comparatively, Roddy Piper was probably the greatest heel that we've ever seen in our lifetime, easily. I generally thought he was the biggest asshole but yet the coolest guy at the same time you know what i mean and would would be able to physically back that up and he was such a great heel and i think mjf is more shades to that and i really feel like th that kid is the future and it, it would be a shame to not see him be he he is the face of any any company, in my opinion. Easily. I love it. Even recently he comes out, he cuts a promo, you're like, all right, I'm gonna watch this, or I'm not fast forwarding through this. Like anytime he's on, he's must see. Exactly. And I think, you know, there's not a lot of people you can say that about. I mean, Cody Rhodes leaving the AEW was probably the best thing that he ever could have done. As soon as he stepped foot <clears throat> in the WWE, I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And then all of a sudden, like, because I love the Stardust Gold Dust tag team. I mean, I know it only lasted a cup of coffee. Hold on. This is how much I love it. My buddy Hal Haney did this for me. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he does good stuff. That's a cool tell, yeah. Yeah. So I, I love... I love that tag team. I, oh, you know, because I, 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 I feel like Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, Road Warriors... You know, those are the those are the teams. I just always love tag team wrestling. But uh, where were we? We were talking about Goldust and Stardust and Cody yes. Rhodes. I loved that whole thing, even though it lasted only a cup of coffee. I still loved it. It made an impression to me. I fell in love with wrestling again because of that team. Right? I was like, Oh my god, this is incredible! And then it was gone away. And I, I just hate that crash course TV shit. I just hate it. It's like remember when angles used to last a year, and it's like. You know, because there was psychology behind it. That's what keeps you engaged. Um, I think that that you can still do that. So, but watching Cody Rhodes, all of a sudden, I was emotionally invested again. And uh, watching 
you know, then he's like tours his tears his muscle, gets in the cage and does his. I mean, I was like, whoa, I was blown away. And I it was only a matter of time. And I and I'm super glad, you know, he took that step to go to the WWE because I feel like, you know, the way that they their style of wrestling is so it's it's very it's it the story is there, the timing is there, the professionalism is there. It's not like the AEW product, which is a little bit more like, you know, an indie kind of show, Wild West kind of stuff. And that's where Cody belongs, right? You you saw it within, you know, his first two matches. You saw, oh, duh, this this is why, this is where this kid belongs. Because this is who he is. Yep. Look at the stock he comes from, you know? So he's a realist. He knows how to tell the story. His dad was incredible at telling a story his brother was insane about telling a story it's like that's where this is where this is the fit and i think wrestlers who you know and i know that wwe is now changing this a new regime and it's and the programming is so much better i actually can sit and watch it now yeah um dare that i would say that you know i'm gl kind of glad vince mcmahon is kind of out of the picture because it was really killing it for me i couldn't even watch it you know I was, I would just be like, uh, you know what I mean? Why yeah. would they do this? And I'm not like one of those, <clears throat> you know, armchair bookers. I don't know what's better for the business. You know, it's not, I, that's not my job. But as a fan, I would just be so completely turned off by it. But now I'm like watching it and I'm just kind of going, this is, it, it's, it feels like it's getting back to this place of what I remembered it being so great. Why I remembered it being so great. And falling in love with it um and i love impact wrestling i think that's my probably my second favorite you know kind of tv show that's happening i love the nwa power hour i love you know i got fight tv I, you know i consume wrestling i love gcw any kind of deathmatch stuff i'm into so and that's the thing now these days it's like you can throw a rock and hit a wrestling company <clears throat> you know what i mean that's insane to me it's crazy. It's everywhere. And you mentioned about Cody. His stock has risen so much. He's the guy everybody's like, he should fight Roman Reigns at WrestleMania you know, if you can't get the rock. So, I mean, that was like uh, like the ultimate thing because Reigns is, is the guy right now. So anybody that people want to see wrestling, especially WrestleMania, I mean, you're made in the shade big time. So Cody raised his stock so high right now. It's crazy. Like people want to see him WrestleMania main event. Well, you know, I never was a Roman Reigns fan, and maybe it'll be like an Ultimate Warrior kind of thing, and maybe 10 years from now, I'll maybe look back and think he was something different than what I do now. <clears throat> it's nothing personal. It's just I don't find a connection with him. Like, I, well, we don't have a connection. And that's what's most important to me. You know, I had a connection with JYD, and I had a connection with, with uh, you know, the Rock and Roll Express. I had a connection with um you know obviously now with cody punk you know so many others ray mysterio like there's a connection there for whatever reason i just don't get that right now i didn't get braun Strowman for a while <clears throat> and then all of a sudden i did like out of the blue and then he was gone but <clears throat> same thing it's like there's certain things that just kind of you know happen over time you know you kind of start to see what everybody might be seeing or you start to unsee what 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 you thought was there. I don't know how to explain it, but 
you know, just being a wrestling fan in today's world, I mean, we're at another golden age of wrestling. It's, in, it's insane, like how, how much content there is out there, you know? It's crazy. WB is on seven hours a week. AEW is on three hours a week. They're saying ROH might get a TV deal. Uh, there's so. all the streaming stuff, pro wrestling TV, fight TV. I mean, wrestling is crazy. Uh, it It's really, I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, there's no way you can't avoid it. You know what I mean? Do you have to be able to find it somewhere? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you have so many streaming platforms. You have IWTV. Yeah. You have Fight TV. The WWE is obviously on Peacock. Uh, Impact has a has a um, an app app. Um, so you can find it anywhere, you know. And and it's not that hard to find it. Um, New Japan. You can even see New Japan stuff here in America now streaming. Yeah. It's, you know, so like the world is kind of the, uh, the oyster for wrestling right now. So uh, it's 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 really cool because then now you can follow it. And it, I love, you know, the fact that they brought in English uh, like commentators and stuff like that uh, to New Japan, uh, because now you can follow the storylines and then you can follow the storylines over in Japan. as well. It's like, you know, so it, it's 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 cool for someone who doesn't speak Japanese. <laughs> yeah. I, I you can keep up with. It. I love the the Japanese stuff. You're talking about Masawa before. I always love Kawada, Kobashi, um, all those guys. Kenta, Marufuji. My favorite guy now, Okada. Love him. Okada's like great. Tanahashi Okada's is great. great. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great Japanese pro wrestlers, and it's funny because I feel now when I go to this independent show, uh, West Coast Pro, um, and they bring a lot of stars from. New Japan, um, and they get a lot of like guys, you know, from around the country. And the audience <clears throat> is definitely more shifted towards like I almost feel like, you know, even at indie shows, there's more of like in Japan, when you're at a wrestling show there, it's there's a there's a build, right? And the audience, the way the audience engages is is completely different than American, let's say WWE audience, right? Or an AEW audience. There's not like he fucked up or, you know, whatever. Yep. But what I've seen now with, with the indie audience, it's more like the Japanese audience, you know, they clap when a good move is or a good sequence or whatever it is, <clears throat> or if a buildup starts to happen, you know, it, they, 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 they re, re, respond to it like a Japanese audience. And I remember I was sitting there, uh, the, the last show I was at, which was a couple weeks ago, and I was really starting to really notice it, like how people are responding. I was like, wow, I could be in Japan right now because I think the fans are a lot more educated, you know, and there's a lot more um, information out there about pro wrestling, Japanese pro wrestling it's easier to access now. And so now people are starting to understand, you know, and I don't know if it's like ev evolution as a wrestling fan, or if it's just, you know, this is what we're supposed to do at a wrestling show. I don't know if that's part of it could be, but I feel like people have so many opportunities to learn about or to watch and uh, understand different styles. You know, it's not just like, oh, here's Lucha, you know, here's, you know, strong style, here's, you know, sports entertainment, 
here's indie riffic kind of shit you know it's like i feel like the the uh, a wrestling fan is going to watch a variety of different stuff now and that's why i feel like they're way more intelligent about what's actually happening you know and you, you're going to gravitate to what you like the most i like stories and blood you know and then don't just you know cut yourself just for the sake of it like going through a table and then running the ropes like why are why are you bloody what happened here you know it should be you know it should look like if there's going to be blood in a match it should be look like because this is a this is a culmination of something you know it's got to mean something and because that's what's going to really attract me in you know the shock value it's like fuck dude i've seen more shocking shit you know just walking out my front door you know so it's like if you if you get engaged with me emotionally and trap me there and get me my heartstrings to pull and then you know you build that up of course i'm going to be more physically mentally uh involved in that i feel like wrestling is one of the things too you don't necessarily need to know the language but you know what's going on it's like a universal language is wrestling i i i think so um I feel like the great storytellers will always rise to the top. There will always be the ones, you know? I feel like those who can't do it so well will always be um, sort of, they might get their moments, but then they'll go back, you know? I feel like that's the, the, the crucial part. If you think about all the top kind of wrestling stars over the years, they all, and even Hulk Hogan could tell a story. Oh, yeah. It, it might have been a very short story, but it was a story nonetheless. And he could do it with his promos. And then the ring work was almost secondary, but yet made sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. And, and but he gets shit on, right? Because he only had three moves or, you know, so you don't need more than that, right? If you know how to tell the story, you know, you, you don't, you can do a clothesline and that's it, you know? So, but if you look at all the people who have made real serious impacts in the business, you know, they're all the ones that have been able to tell a story and not only tell a story, but keep you engaged in it. So it's like, you can do the spot fest. And like I said, that's all fine and good once in a card. But if you got a whole show that I'm going to flip it. Cause that's just not, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, black metal, like, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to listen to black metal every once in a while. But if I'm sitting there listening to black metal every single fucking day, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 not it's not going to be like I'm not going to enjoy it as much. I'm gonna actually going to probably get farther away from it and burned out on it. You know, so I don't know. I think it's it's an interesting time we live in. But there's so many different styles like we've been talking about that. It's there's something for everybody. And that's pretty cool. Definitely. And with Hogan, it's funny, I was working on a project, hopefully getting to get it in the works. I was going through a ton of his matches and I was trying to find between 84 and 93, I call it the Hogan era, trying to find his best matches. I was up to like 150, I don't, I, but I wanted to cut it down to 100. It was crazy. I was like, wow, him and Harley Race in 87 had all these awesome matches in a row, which just weren't like you were seeing on TV. He's bloody. They're going through tables. I mean, crazy stuff. And you're like, wow, Terry Funk. 
Kamala, he's having good matches, Bad News Brown, um, Piper, obviously, earlier on, Orndorff. There's a million different guys. I, mean, I think there's like 60-something guys, different wrestlers. I was like, man, he had good matches with them all. The crowd is nuts. I was like, man, he's so somehow underrated, underappreciated because he was telling the story, a different one, which each guy is crazy. Right. Well, but if you think about where Hogan's learning curve, I mean, he learned in Florida, right? Yep. Uh, CWF. That's where he kind of cut his teeth. So he was getting trained by Graham, right? So it's like, you know, they broke his leg or whatever, dislocated his whatever. I don't remember the whole story, but, you know, he comes back and he does it. And they discover him when he's playing in a band, right? I think that, didn't he play in a band? Yeah. Yep. So, and then the rest is kind of history. But I feel like guys who learned in Florida, you know, I mean, that's, we're talking about Dusty Rhodes. We're talking about, Hulk Hogan. We're talking about, I mean, who else came from Florida? I think Lex Luger was down there. Not that Lex was like, you know, I mean, whatever, you, however you want to feel about Lex, but he had his some moments. But I feel like a lot of those, you know, top superstars, if they went to Florida, you knew that they were legit and you knew yeah. that they could go and you knew that they could wrestle. And so if you're sat in opposite of a guy like Terry Funk or Harley Race, then you got to be sort of worth your salt. You might not be as great as they are, but if you're in there with them and you're able to put a cohesive match together, and I, don't, I think you would have to be literally fucking the dumbest person in the world not to be able to with those guys. But like, you got to have some sort of talent. And Hulk Hogan was the rock star. And he was exactly what Vince needed at that time. And... You know, I feel like he he knew what he was doing getting in there. I mean, he had all that experience up in the AWA. I mean, the first time I ever clocked him, he was with the in the AWA. Yep. And uh, wasn't he the incredible or he was incredible Hulk, right? Yep. I think originally. Yep. And then it's kind of like guys like Vader or you know uh, what was his name? Uh, baby the Baby Bull. What was this? Uh, Leon yeah. White. Leon White. Yeah, the baby baby Bull. Bull. Yeah. I mean Scott Hall AWA. So I mean, <clears throat> if you had the learning curve of championship wrestling from Florida and the AWA with Vern Gagne, you got to know what you're doing. You can't not know how to do a headlock. You can't not know how to lock up. You can't not, you know, you know what I'm saying? So it's like to shit on Hulk Hogan just because he did five moves and, you know, is what it is. You can't do that. It's just not, it's not a fair assessment, you know, where he learned and what he did with what he learned it shows me how smart and really talented he really was. Yes. Right. So, but that's enough about Hulk. <laughs> I think the great uh, Piper line about Hulk was I was fighting in the streets while you were playing at Tootsie's bar and grill. <laughs> <laughs> See Piper, man. I mean, that, that's a whole other can of worms that you could just go down for, for hours talking about how great and how much of a impact he had. Did and you see the documentary? Today's- uh, on that- Piper, sorry to cut you off. Did you see the documentary with Piper on A and E? You know, I don't think I've watched those yet. Oh. Um, I, they're on my bucket list. I, what I've been, I was watching the Dark Side of the Ring for a little bit, <clears throat> and then I watched Tales from the Territories, which is <clears throat> incredible. Yep, awesome. <clears throat> and um, uh, I'm I'm only on uh, the first episode, the Memphis stuff on the Tales from the Territories. I'm kind of working my way through. I, I'm a dad too, so it's like kids and then you know whatever but um yeah so it's it you know i've over the years i've read a lot of books and especially when it comes to wrestling 
my favorite all-time wrestling book is obviously uh, Mick Foley's very first book. I thought that was insanely good. Um, probably the best written wrestling book I've ever read. Um, Jim Cornette's put out some really great books too. Um, but uh, as far as like, you know, historical books. Um, but yeah, I mean, Piper was just, it was an anomaly. And to see like what he was able to do in all the different territories and how he would pop those territories and become the number one heel in those territories. Like, you know, and then getting the shot with the WWF and the, you know, and, you know, he was also part of the reason why there was, and he doesn't get enough credit. A lot of people put it on Hulk Hogan and it's like, well, there was also Cindy Lauper and there was also Rowdy Piper. And I would, I would, I'm, I would have to say, I think Wendy Richter and I mean, what also you got to give credit to Mula. I mean, there were so many players there to make the company, you know, but it wouldn't have happened without a Roddy Piper, you know, and the heat with Mr. T like they knew how to do it. <clears throat> Piper was a, a sound professional and nothing. I got nothing but love for him, you know? Love it. The documentary is really cool because his daughters, I guess, and, and his wife, they gave his books. He used to write quotes and they would find like the machine gun quote and different things. So, oh, he wow. Would, so he was practicing his lines. So you would think because he was so natural, it came from the top of his head. They said, no, he would go from the mirror. He'd write it down. He, then you'd see cross off like he didn't like a line. So he'd go, so it was like he really thought about wrestling 24-7, but he wow. studied his lines. And you were like, wow, he's so quick-witted. He knew what he was going to say. And if you reacted, he was going to go with a different line. Like So he he was so like smart and ahead of the curve. But his daughters and his wife were saying, like, he would like study, made, made it like his Bible study, like, I'm going to do this quote and say this line and I'm going to hit it here, there. If they go this way, I'll go this way. And he crossed off stuff. He didn't like He added stuff. He did like really cool to look at that notebook. Wow. That's, that's, that's super awesome. I did not, maybe I didn't know something a little bit about that from his book, but uh, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me, you know, because as a musician, like you got to remember lyrics, right. And you got to remember lines and, you know, and, and certain things like I'm always thinking before I step foot on the stage, where am I? When's the last time we were here? What happened? You know, because you're always wanting to be relatable. Uh, he just wanted to be a dick. So it's like, you know what I mean? But then also have the, uh, you know, another line ready for, well, what if he reacts this way? So it just, I mean, it just shows you how, gr how great wrestlers are. They're the best one take actors in the world. I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's like to be able to not only riff it's like old comedians it's an old it's like recording on tape as a musician before pro tools you had to know your shit you had to go in there and you had to be good and you had to be precise there wasn't oh we can just punch it and then boom 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 and build it it's like you had to know what you were doing you had to be rehearsed you you know there <laughs> the things that people lean on now sort of almost uh you know, even though they are time efficient and, uh, you know, can it be helpful? Um, they sort of taken the spontaneity um, out of the creativity, you know, because, you know, I know I know there are some musicians out there. Who know, Oh, well, we got Pro Tools. So I'll just kind of, you know, it's like with Rancid, it's like we we're 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 so precise because of all those years of recording on tape. It's like. We practice once something once or twice by the third time we have it and then we move on.
you know, if it's a new song or whatever it is. And very rarely is it chopped up and put together. You know, it's it's like, this is how it is, this boom, 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 boom. And, you know, but that to me, it makes perfect sense because, it, you know, Piper was, a you know, obviously one of the best, if not the best heel, I would say. I mean, who, who, who else is there? Think about it. Flair and Piper. Well, Flair, but Flair was almost like the, an anti-hero in a lot of ways. He was like a stone cold, you know? He got cheered a lot, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like Flair, he was like one of probably the first anti-hero in a weird way, you know? I can't really say that Flair was a out-and-out -out heel. I think he had his moments of out-and-out -out heel. But Piper was, when he was a heel, there was no guessing, you know, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like Flair, you always, he was always, you know, he was too, he was almost too arrogant to be just a straight heel, you know? And he was also a good looking flamboyant guy. Right. So it's like, you can't, you kind of hate him, but you kind of are sort of, you know, uh, seduced by him in a weird way. Yeah. You know? Yep. Well, I guess we'll wind it down here. I could probably talk to you about wrestling all day, all night, but oh. we'll wind it down. We'll head towards the finish just for, you know, for. Well, I'll come back anytime. All right. Awesome. Yeah, that I was going to say, perfect. That's great. I'll, I'll definitely have you back because, man, this is great talking um, wrestling with you because I love famous people that love wrestling, you know, love what I love and, and obviously great musicians, great talent. But what's next for you? What do you get? What do you got coming down the pike? Well, at this point, you know, Ranson's got a record in the can. <clears throat> we'll be out on tour over in Europe next year. Um, I've been uh, doing this thing on this app called Whatnot as of recent, where I'm selling a lot of my personal stuff. And it's in like an auction format. <clears throat> so it's wrestling toys, records, uh, action figures, uh, T-shirts, stage-worn gear, all kinds of stuff. So I've been doing that as of recent. Um, because I'm trying to clear out a lot of my stuff. Like I, I have too much. Like if I just showed you right now around this room, it's, it's much like yours that yeah. you're in right now. <laughs> my wife hates and, it. Yeah. And now I'm kind of narrowing it down to like, you know, I'm just like, now it's just like, you know, getting my Bret Hart's together, you know, and, and just, you know, my, my old lady promised me these shelves like three Christmases ago and she just got them for me like two weeks ago. So now I'm taking like, all of my wrestling figures. Like I have a bunch of LJNs. Oh, check out this Piper. This is pretty sick. This is a custom Piper that a friend of mine did. It's got an old firm casuals t-shirt oh, on. It's an old nice. LJN. Yeah. That's He's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of my stuff together and like the stuff I'm keeping, I'm displaying finally. Um, <clears throat> And so all the stuff that I don't want anymore, I'm just going to get rid of. And I figured, why not do it through this whatnot thing? And um, it's a pretty cool site. Uh, it's like a, it's basically a live streaming auction kind of site. And then uh, I've got, you know, stuff I've been selling on my uh, one of my Instagram pages. I have like a little store where I sell, you know, T-shirts and, and also kind of, you know, same kind of thing. So right now I'm just kind of in a big uh, clearing of the house. Like, you know, get this stuff out of here. Let's make a deal. Like just, you know, get it out of here kind of thing, you know? And so that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, you know, obviously when I, when I can play music, I do it. 
Um, I just got home from a little run I did with my solo thing over in England not too long ago. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, that was in the summertime. And so now it's just, it's, I'm just trying to be dad, you know, I'm spending a lot of time with the kids. And like I said, it's my youngest, uh, he just turned 11, uh, yesterday. So, you know, big party this weekend and dealing with teenagers and I'm kind of, you know, pretty happy just kind of being at home for once. I mean, I was on the road for 30 plus years. So let me just hit the. Um, yeah, I think there's a, uh, there's a, uh, do you not do zooms much? No, never. That's why I was, I was talking to uh, Dan, the man, and I usually use this thing called Streamyard, but he tried yeah. out the link. And for some reason he said it wasn't working for him. Yeah. So he's like, I don't think it's going to work for Lars. Why don't you do zoom instead? So it's like, Oh shit. So I downloaded it and I got, it. I never used it. Well, I think, isn't that through Google Chrome though? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cause I think we've, uh, you know, with the wrestling perspective, we've tried it we've used that a few times but yeah it's another thing i want to talk about so and also do this podcast called the wrestling perspective and we bring you know it's it's kind of a weekly show it airs on fight tv and on our youtube channel we bring you know wrestlers on there from all promotions we haven't got anybody from the wwe yet but maybe that will change but we had guys like kurt angle we've had cm punk ruby soho um trying to think so many others tommy dreamer uh We've had, um, you know, Bully Ray on there. We've had, uh, shoot, so many, uh, so many different ones. Uh, um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's kind of a fun little thing that we do, you know, and it's, it's more of a fan's perspective. You know, we talk about, you know, current states of wrestling. We talk about their careers. It's more of like, it's, it's, it's like a shoot, but, but, a, but, but, uh, you know, just more kind of, not so much what kind of we're doing. It's a little bit different, but um, it's still fun. Nonetheless, you get to talk to some of your, some of your favorite wrestlers. We've had MJF on there where he just came in and insulted us the whole time, which was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, it's, 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 it's a pretty cool thing. It keeps me connected. And, you know, I get to ask a bunch of wrestlers, my favorite questions, you know, like I, what I really want to know about them. And it's not like your, you know, typical, like, you know, kind of guy in his mom's basement kind of thing. So, um, which is not nothing wrong with that, but just, you know, we, you know, it's more of a, uh, it's just more fun. And I think that the wrestlers enjoy it and, you know, the guys that come on enjoy it. And, um, you know, we just have a little fun with it because we're fans at the end of the day. It's like, I'm a fan of pro wrestling. I love what this, this is. I love this form of, of, of entertainment and, yeah, I mean, I'll be watching it till the day I die. Crazy, like just in in general, it's like okay, Lars is is like an LA guy, I'm a New Jersey guy, but no, I'm a San Francisco guy. Do well, San Francisco, I'm sorry, I was thinking West Coast, San Francisco guy. Like I'm a New Jersey guy, but I'm buddies with Phil, like you mentioned. I know Rob Nuller pretty well. I know Dennis, uh, you, you know your partner. I know him pretty well. So it's funny. It's like man, wrestling uh, is bringing uh, everything together here. Interesting though, very weird. Yeah, well, in but it's way. cool. Yeah, it's in a good cool. Way. I mean. Yeah, I remember when I first met Rob, you know, like he came to a show. Oh, it must have been about 10 years ago, 12 years ago now. But like, you know, not meeting somebody for the first time, you know. And I remember like Will, it was Good Helmet um, on on the board. Oh, yeah. Um, he was living down in Texas and, and uh, Punk was doing a pay-per-view 
then San Antonio. And it was funny because he had just was world heavyweight champion. And literally a month later, he's doing a dark match against R-Truth for this pay-per-view. So we go to the show and uh, he really wants to watch the UFC uh, fight. So we all go back over to, to Will's house. And so it's me, Punk, Will and his family. And we're all watching the UFC eating pizza. And it's like, you know, that's, these are the kinds of moments that, you know, that you want to have. And it's, but it's all good. You know, it's like, there's no weirdness. We're all just wrestling fans, even, and we're watching the UFC because we all like the MMA. So we're all kind of communicating there too. But I mean, that's the, the beautiful thing about, you know, this, this community. It's like, like I said, you kind of instantly know somebody just because if you've been a fan for more than 10 years, um, there, at some point, you know, you're going to have dealt with something that I've dealt with as a fan. Right. So there's, there's a commonality, there's a connection yep. and I love it. And I love to talk about pro wrestling. It's my favorite thing other than punk rock. I probably know more about pro wrestling than I do about punk rock. I, I dare I say, you know, wow. That's a high, high uh, praise there. Very historian like of you. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's, that's, I've always history, like in school and stuff, history was always like my favorite and best subjects, you know, and I loved collecting and archiving. I love doing that. Um, and I do that with punk rock music and, and stuff. Um, and I, but I pro wrestling, like I said, it's just, it's always going to be, you know, punk rock and pro wrestling kind of came in at the same time for me and sort of, sort of uh opened up my eyes and brought me to totally different worlds you know and just the outlawness of, of pro wrestling was fit my attitude with the outlaw outlawness of the punk rock stuff so it made perfect sense for me <clears throat> to to you know so when i look back at my life and think about what the most consistent things i've ever been and it's been punk and pro wrestling straight up you know like I've loved bands that that have gone, maybe Motorhead. I'll say Motor. I can throw in GBH in those categories too. But so many things. I mean, you know, my relationship with pro wrestling has has lasted two marriages. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, you know, both marriages not understanding that I love it. My new current girlfriend will watch it with me, so that's even better. Yeah, there but, you go. Yeah, yeah, my wife absolutely hates it. She doesn't like. She doesn't get it. She, she well, just yeah. doesn't understand, but my son likes it though. So, well, then there you go. I mean, that that's the, there's that connection, you know what I mean? It's like I remember when I brought uh Soren to uh the pay per view in Vegas when we played my youngest, and he's in a room and he's hanging out with his uncle Punk and Ace and Dax, and you know, and I can't say who else was in that room, but there was a few others. And he's just like, and they're all paying attention to him and he's just talking to him. And then April Punk's wife is talking to him about, uh, you know, Bakugan or, or whatever it is, Dragon Ball Z or whatever. Yep. And it's like, you realize this is a, like a, a very family friendly community orientated thing that's happening. And just to see Soren be part of that and be in, involved in the, in the, like just the questions he would ask, you know, and then how gracious they were with him and, you know, just to watch him interact with that and, and really find like kind of a, a kinship with, with, with guys that he's only seen, and women who's only seen on TV. You know what I mean? 
and it's 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 kind of a it's a crazy trip you know when you're in there and you're you're with some of the, the your your heroes you know or guys that you admired in their wrestling careers and then you know they're they're throwing your son around playing wrestling with them you know what yeah. i mean so yeah. it's 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 cool it's very cool my son likes the old school stuff. I mean, he loves The Rock. He's obsessed with The Rock, the eyebrow, the whole thing. He's obsessed. So I said, you know, because he knows I love Hulk. He, he thinks like I'm obsessed with Hulk, which I really am. He goes, did they ever wrestle? And I was like, you know what they did? So I put on WrestleMania 18. Oh. And I'm telling him that Hulk never loses. That Because we watched before that, we watched WrestleMania 3. And he's like, there's no way he's beating this giant. I'm like, watch. And then you know, he beats Andre. He hated Andre because he's scary and he fell on Hogan. Sure. So, but then he goes, there's no way Hulk beats the rock. And I go, Oh, you want to bet? I go, let's watch this one. I go, cause Hulk never loses. Just playing it up to him. He's like half paying attention, half paying attention. All of a sudden Hulk hits a leg drop. I go, told you it's over. And the rock kicked out. And then, and then he's like fully invested and he's fully into it going crazy. And then the rock, you know, then Hogan kicks out, you know, and then, and like, he's like, what? Like he didn't know what was going to happen. And then Hulk lost. He goes, Oh. I can't believe Hulk really lost. So then, then he loved it even more. And now he likes, and I had to buy him a you know, rock action figure, all this other stuff, just because he's like, I can't believe Hulk lost. And he's like, you told me he never loses. I was like, I guess the rock is better. He's like, I, I guess so. It's like, that's why I love the rock. So I just I think it's so funny. It's like even generational, you can yeah. make it with wrestling. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember that match in particular, the, the, just talking about it made the hair on my arm stand yeah, up. Yeah, me too. Love it's it. just the way that when they're in the, in the beginning and they're just both looking in, you know, like this and the, I mean, it's going, uh, you can feel the energy and that energy is sustained and it only goes up, but it never goes below that peak yep. at all. And that's, that's, that's the story. That's the, the craziness of it all and it was but awesome roller coaster too because it's like rock <laughs> kicks out that hogan kicks out like it's great i mean it was it was definitely one of probably one of the most entertaining matches that will go down i think <clears throat> that's that's up there like with taker throwing foley off the cage that's up there with me just with the intensity you know and the excitement like oh my god like what like the way that your heart goes up you know i mean in totally completely different ways but it's the same thing it's the same heart string that's being played it's just being played in a completely different way but it's just as intense so it's funny with wrestling too like the rest of the card i mean there's flair undertaker i mean there's good matches but like that match is like oh man you get like just a rush and then you know and then once it's over it's like but that's only certain guys certain matches that you get that 100 percent, totally agree well, listen, I will come back and yes. do this. Where can, everybody, so, uh, where can everybody find you? Like social media wise. Uh, uh, well, anything with the blue check. So I'm on Twitter at, uh, at Roots Radicals zero uh, one, I think it is. I'm on Instagram, just Lars Fredrickson. If it's got a blue check next to it, that's where I'm at. Laws's Locker, which is uh, my uh, store on, on Instagram. Um, you can find me on Whatnot right now currently um you can um i'm doing a show another show on the 12th of november where i'm going to be uh live auctioning a lot of toys records signed autograph stuff stuff from the archives um let's see where else yeah i mean i'm on i'm sort of on facebook you know but you know i i i really it's it's a little too toxic for me so i just kind of stay away from that but um yeah, and I think that's all the social platforms I'm on. Or you can see me at your local 7-Eleven. You never know. 
<laughs> Lars, thank you so much for all the time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.